learning to to have a good relationship between the part that it, that um that wants to make things happen and the part that actually makes things happen is the key to life for me um that is the artist's journey that's the creative's journey but it's also everyone's journey um in a world where we have to invent our own realities where we're not handed our roles and set off to do them where we have to somehow with all our tools and our you know our computers and our microphones and our mobile phones and our you know we have all these tools at our disposal and we have to some make something happen um and even if you work in a big company you you know more and more uh you're 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 like a mini entrepreneur inside that organization and your job is to make things happen welcome to the happy entrepreneur podcast this is a podcast for people who look at business differently it's for founders freelancers change makers and freedom seekers who want to make money do good and be happy we choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. The whole world is suddenly in a state of total improvisation and no one has any idea what will come next. In this episode of the podcast, Lawrence and I talk to our good friend, Lawrence Shorter, a coach, comedian and author of The Lazy Guru's Guide to Life. We explore the idea of not having any idea. For Lawrence, this is the essence of true creativity and from where clarity emerges. When we settle into a space of doing nothing, we give an opportunity for our inner voices to quieten and stop. We stop thinking, and we start feeling into what's needed next. For many of us, this is a scary place to be. We're so used to going somewhere, achieving something, and doing work. We believe that we can think and do our way out of any problem. But what if the situation becomes so complex that you truly can't think of what to do next? At that point, maybe doing is the last thing you should do. If you've been looking for an excuse to do nothing, then make sure you listen to this episode. Enjoy. Good morning, good afternoon, uh, good evening, wherever you may be watching this Happy Entrepreneur Live podcast. podcast broadcast i don't know how to describe this thing still i'm not sure is if if it because we record it as a podcast but we're also doing it live it's kind of like a chat show but i'm not sure how that works i'm not sure who the host is really because there's lawrence here as well actually and now it's even more confusing because we've got two lawrences <laughs> so which lawrence are you talking about you're in a lawrence sandwich <laughs> you are well not on mine 
It's more oh, really? Oh, it's different. Oh, that's... Yeah. Uh, anyway. It's, it's all just too confusing. Um, so so I'm, I'm the Lawrence, he's the other Lawrence, or is that the other way around? Is there, is there, is there, because there's the Carlos, I know that. I'm not sure if there's the Lawrence, because you I'm two the Lawrence are shorter. I'm, I'm the Lawrence Shorter, that's fine. Okay. Lawrence Shorter. Um, how, we, how are you all doing? Why don't we just start off with how we're feeling? It's a quite a momentous day today. Um, I was reminded by my wife and also by the bunting outside the houses yesterday. Um, it is VE day. Um, I don't know if that's, that's hit home at all for anyone. Not to bring the, the, the tone too far down. It did when Not you said me. it. I got a little, I got pins and needles. Got a little rush of uh, feeling there. It's a big day, yeah. Hmm. I'm just a word of warning. Apparently Spitfires might fly overhead about in about 50 minutes. So uh, if it gets very loud, you'll know why. Oh, my God. Uh, I think right. the main thing for me is knowing what day it is. I saw someone post yesterday. If you're worried, worried, worried what day it is, tomorrow's bank holiday Monday. So yeah, we're in we're in that now. This is yeah. Now I'm totally confused. This this is it. Friday is it? V day is it? Bank holiday Monday. This is I. I am really not knowing what's going on. <laughs> Perfect place to be. <laughs> but anyway, how how are you, Lawrence? What's how's how's life these days? Uh, and this is Lawrence S rather than Lawrence M. Yeah, I'm feeling very self conscious about my hair. Uh, I I don't. Uh, I've, Me too. I've, I've learned a new trick. Yeah, where's my hat? I've learned a new trick on Zoom, which is the thing, that, the platform I use most frequently, which is that you can hide the view of yourself. And I didn't realize that. And because I am such a narcissist, I spend at least 50% of my screen time looking at myself. If you could track my attention, my eyeballs are on me. Maybe 60% of the time. I'm like, I'm either I'm really pleased with how I look, or I, and then I'm just like a kid who keeps looking in the mirror thinking, oh, I look okay. Mm. And then, or I'm, I'm appalled. And right now I'm kind of appalled by my hair because it's like, it looks like a um, Rusty the Clown. And uh, so I don't know if anyone else relates to that. It's a hair situation. It's a lockdown hair problem plus a kind of inbuilt narcissism problem. So I'm just going to, I might just put my hand out and block out part of the screen there. <laughs> But, I, no, I think you look as lovely as ever, Lawrence. I, I can't see any difference. I'm going to check in. I'm going to check in. How about how, shall, we, should we do a check in? So I, I do this thing with um, with my when I coach people, I always do a check in. That's just how are you feeling. So how are you feeling? What's on your mind? And what do you want from this session? So oh, boom. So how am I feeling? I'm I'm, I'm going to start, and then you can go. Right. So. And anyone at home can do it too if you're actually yeah type it into the chat please join in yeah type it in so i'm not going to type it in I, I i'm a guru i don't have to fucking type <laughs> where's my team right so checking in so how are you feeling i'm feeling a little bit like my tummy's a bit funny i'm a bit tense this morning uh the morning didn't get off in an organized way waking up at six in the morning is normal at the moment with my with my children who you can hear in the background um but the routine got a bit thrown off this morning and had a little bit of a fight with my four-year-old son about getting dressed um he's always trying to get me dressed and uh i always resist uh no that's a joke um and 
so I'm a bit tangled topsy-turvy. I'm not in, it's taken a while to get into my flow and it's still in my body a little bit. Uh, but I'm excited to be talking to you. Um, what might distract me is uh, just uh, the family noise behind me. And what I'd love from this session is to have a really good conversation and not ramble too much. And be and be of use to your listeners and you. How are you? What's your check-in? Go for it, Lawrence. Thanks. <laughs> um, I'm feeling good, a little tired. I was up early this morning, seemed to be an early riser at the moment, which is not my normal state. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bank holiday weekend, <laughs> if that means anything. Um, feels like every day is rolling into the to one at the moment. But yeah, apparently the kids are off school, so I've been told. <laughs> but they're at home like every other day. Um, what's on my mind? Uh, I think this session really was the focus for today. Um, and hoping to, I don't know, just every time we get to hang out with you, we always seem to have fun and something good comes of it. Um, so for me, it's the unknown is always the exciting part about your sessions, I think, is we don't try and over plan things and see what emerges. And that space is always something I value. So yeah, excited to see what comes of this. Cool. Thanks, and by, by the way, I'm really, I, I really love being asked, asked on. So thank you for inviting me. <clears throat> Our pleasure entirely. Um, how am I feeling? Uh, I'm feeling excited uh, for this call um, because I know it's going to be fun. Um, but below that is, is there another way of, like, itchy feet means you want to travel. But there's like what is kind of wanting to do stuff. <laughs> so there's a there's a, an energy to do, um, and an excitement around that as well, um, and and yeah, and and so the things that are on my mind is just like so much potential for the work that we're doing or that we have been doing for the past seven years around building community, bringing people together, having conversations that matter, uh, thinking how that applies to how we do work, how we, and even just how do we do work in different ways now that we can't do it in the old ways that much. So that's all really exciting. and think, oh, there's so much we could do. Um, but at the same time, i got two kids at home. <laughs> <laughs> who I can't plonk in front of the Xbox and the iPad all day. Well, I could, but again, that doesn't sound like a very productive thing to do. Uh, and so there's that balance of how having, you know, managing time and managing excitement. So that's that's an interesting space to be in. Uh, what I would uh, I'm looking forward to is is my intention with this is, is to just connect with you i always love having conversation with you there's this lovely connection between some deep meaningful shit and then just talking shit which i really enjoy <laughs> and uh, and i i get value out of and i'm hoping 
Yeah, uh, and that, that the intention for myself and Lawrence with doing these calls is, is to have conversations that matter to us and hopefully they matter to the people that listen uh, and to invite people that we really enjoy spending time with. So that's that's where I'm at. Thank you very much, Lawrence. And what, when you said that you have a chief eat for action, do you mean getting into like computer work or doing stuff that you can't do because of lockdown? Uh, computer, well, it's kind of computer work, but in the sense of actually... Well, one of the things that springs to mind, yesterday we did an ideas cafe. Uh, we do normally do that face-to-face. It involves kind of conversations, usually sometimes sometimes fairly deep conversations, small groups, organizing like 20, 30 people, kind of herding cats in a physical space can be hard enough. What's more, trying to do it virtually can seems a bit challenging. And, and because it's a screen, you don't necessarily feel as, you, you kind of think you can't feel as connected because you're not in real life. But the energy we got off of yesterday, Lawrence, it was good, wasn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's probably the best one we've we've done. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, there's always something we could do. But I'm always drawn to you or work, Lawrence, and I think it aligns with our ethos a lot. Is sometimes doing nothing can be the most productive thing you can do, mm. even if that's not your intention. Yeah. Um, and I've always, hmm. I, I hate the term creative, but in terms of how I find myself in my most creative state is actually resisting that urge to do and trying to carve out that space where actually you know nothing is the intention and just seeing what emerges from that and so I guess that's how we warmed to your work really early on when I remember Charlie Davis introduced us didn't he and um uh, and I think about that time you you shared the idea of the lazy guru that was uh an idea that emerged from what I understand from a space that you created to try and uncover. Mm. Um, well, actually maybe explain a little of that story for those that don't know. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> God, I had a lot of questions that came up for me from what you were saying and then they've all just gone away. So that's the trouble when you invite a coach. Uh, on a call like this. <laughs> oh yeah. I wanted to know why you don't like the word creative. Uh, to me, it implies that there's creatives and non-creatives. Hmm. Oh, creative as a noun, being a creative. I, yeah, exactly. So um, I'm a creative. Yeah. I work in the creative field. I'm paid to be creative. Yeah, yeah. So that idea. But, you know, creative, yeah. being yeah, creative. Yeah, it's all about creativity for me. It's a, an obsession, really. Um, well, I just, yeah. So, yeah, we met in 2014. Uh, shortly after I met, or around the same time I met my my wife. Um, and... Um, and then short, a couple of years after that, published The Lazy Guru. And it was probably six years before that that I first had the realization that there's a part of me that wants to stop and uh, that I don't have a lot of um, control over the part of me that wants to stop. So th- there's like there two parts of me. This is the way I see it. I don't know if there are actually two parts of me, it's my ego and my true self or something but there's there's a part of me that really wants to to make things happen right there's the there's the executive right and the executive part of me wants to to plan strategize do things make things happen um uh, ambition is held there i think by the uh, although ambition is complex because part of ambition is uh just the love of um the, the memory of things you love wanting more of them but this this part that that turns that into an idea, um, and I have it very strongly. I'm very ambitious, so I have lots of things I want to do and visions and ideas. And 
and I want to make myself productive. So already in that in the terminology that we use, I want to be I want I want to make myself productive. I'm, I'm managing myself, uh, set myself goals, and it's an odd thing setting yourself goals. You're becoming two people, right? And if you're a freelancer, self-employed, or you're an entrepreneur, you're already in that weird uh, kind of existential situation of becoming two people. Um, and I find that really useful as a growth path to become aware that there is the part of me that that's managing, that's wanting to manage me and make me creative and productive to get the most out of me. We say get the most out of yourself, try to get the most out of myself, most out, most out of my time, most out of myself. And I think, I don't think children think that way at all. It's plain they don't, right? So they're just one, aren't they? They're just one and if they're upset, they're upset. If they're creative, they're, if they're absorbed, they're absorbed. And if they're totally flipping out, they're flipping out. But at some point we become two and then probably become many, many, right? I am, my name is Legion, for I am many. It's the character in the Bible that's occupied by thousands of spirits and Jesus sends them into the herd of swine. Well, I think we all have, I certainly have many, many inside me. But it's simpler to say, well, I have the one who's trying to make things happen and the one who is the the, the artist or the creative or just the, the self. And that part of me doesn't always want to be told what to do. In fact, almost never wants to be told what to do. And um, learning to to have a good relationship between the part that, it, that, um, that wants to make things happen and the part that actually makes things happen is the key to life for me. Um, that is the artist's journey that's the creative's journey but it's also everyone's journey um in a world where we have to invent our own realities where we're not handed our roles and set off to do them where we have to somehow with all our tools and our you know our computers and our microphones and our mobile phones and our you know we have all these tools at our disposal and we have to some make something happen um and even if you work in a big company you you know more and more uh you're 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 like a mini entrepreneur inside that organization and your job is to make things happen so how do we do it how do you manage yourself and this is the the paradox and and the conundrum at the heart of um every piece of good work is that the um the inspiration and the idea and the juice comes from the part that's not the manager it's not the executive the executive's job is to put things into action it's like the mind and the soul or whatever except it's not the soul it's it's the whole of you right it's your brain it's your feelings and so i was saying that as a way of starting that um before i met you guys a few years before i had a moment where the part of me that was being managed uh got exhausted and got sick of being pushed by the part of me that wanted to make things happen and it happened slowly, you know, it wasn't like suddenly one day that happened. It was like slowly, slowly, the part of me, um, which is um, being pushed, which is really my body and, and my feelings, uh, was getting more and more tired. And then at a certain point, um, couldn't find the motivation to do anything. And for me, that happened after I published my first book and went all around the world publicizing it and was on TV and did all the things that I had been so ambitious to do. And then there was a kind of, oh, what now? Um, and I could not find the will or the energy to make myself do more things. The part of me was saying, come on, do more things. We've got more ideas. We've got to write another book. Or, and there was probably like, I don't feel like it. 
and that don't feel like it part of me became uh, more and more strong and it was really hard at first because for about a, a six months or a year um it really was um it really wanted to take a rest it's like this is my time now okay i'm going to take a rest i didn't have family yet and um and i with some advice or some help from um uh, a kind of intuitive coach who i spoke to she said you should do nothing i'm like what, what do you mean do nothing you know how do you do what and so don't you know get up in the mornings don't just don't sleep in get up at seven set your alarm um and then get up go for a walk uh, but don't read don't work on your computer except for you know essential emails maybe an hour a day or half an hour a day uh and do nothing give yourself something is happening yeah something's happening something is wanting to emerge from you so to let it happen it's a transformation and so i did but it was always a tussle you know it was always hard i was like what's wrong with me am i depressed jesus you know and, and i would just go down to the park and sit on the bench and i stare into space <laughs> and uh and then slowly slowly because i was letting myself rest i recovered and i noticed that um i had really fun ideas and so i started drawing pictures and just be playing and there was never an agenda and for the first time in my life i had no agenda uh or i let myself not have an agenda and I, and I realized the mechanism by which good things happen and since then i've been obsessed with how that happens how good things happen and good things can be anything but they, they but they tend to be actions that you take that are really productive and exciting and those um tend to come from an idea or an inspiration <clears throat> And that idea or inspiration can only come, in my experience, when you relax into the part of you that um, that needs to be com given complete freedom from being told what to do. So there's a sort of um, flipping things on their head, and and instead of telling yourself what to do, um, taking the um, the brakes off or whatever it is, sorry, taking your foot off the pedal and saying, okay, I'm not going to tell you what to do anymore. I'm going to let you rest. I'm going to wait and see what happens. And I'm going to make this practical and real for you in a minute. I'll give you an example from just this morning and other examples if necessary. Um, and I'm also going to hopefully give you an experience of it in the next half hour. But before I go any further, I just want to pause and ask if you have any questions. Carlos and Lawrence or anyone else. Yeah. So I've been I've talking. Got, yeah. I've got loads. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, Actually, one that comes to mind is, well, first off, would you describe your experience as sort of burnout, post-burnout? Yes, I think I, I did. I did for a long time describe it as burnout because that's the most useful phrase that um, that I've come across. I didn't At the time, I had no idea what was happening to me. Mm. But what's interesting is I don't think I finished what I was doing. So I've, in some ways, I feel that there's been a strand of burnout that's been with me ever since. So there's still a part of me that's burned out. And it's really funny because I see this is happening globally. So there's a, the whole world is a bit in burnout. And why the coronavirus thing is so interesting is because finally I was like, okay, stop now. And the world itself is, you know, saying we're all in burnout. The, the ecosystem's in burnout too. So I feel that burnout can be dramatic but it can also be subtle and under the surface so i'd say i'm still i'm still recovering so what well, here there's almost um 
flashbacks <laughs> you know if, if, you've, if you've had an experience that you you can almost have that feeling in the background knowing that it could appear at any point is that yes but the flashback is um the so so the other thing that's going on is apart from there being two of you there are also there are layers and in sort of trauma thinking there there are um there are parts of the system that still hold memories of traumatic events and they're held as tension in the body so um some some muscles um remain um uh, in a state of some tension for very long periods of time, a chronic, chronic tension. And, you know, that's why you, when you get a massage, and it really, a massage therapist works on you, you know, you haven't had a massage for a while, it's going to take you a few sessions to get through this. It's, it doesn't just go away, right? And some stuff has been there. You're, if you ask a massage therapist, they'll say there are some people they work with, you can tell that their, their whole, you know, muscular system has been sort of tightened for years and years. Mm-hmm. I think we all hold tension in us. Me specifically, I hold the trauma of going through a school system where I where I adapted myself, and because I felt vulnerable, clumsy, stupid, unpopular, and ugly at various points, out of my depth, whatever, I found that by being clever and um, good at you know writing and exams that I could get approval, and that part of me became stronger and stronger. Yeah. So so I hold the tra- the trauma of uh, of repressing the part of me that's vulnerable, that's creative, has got no idea, in order to be one who has an idea, because mm. that's how I got my brownie points, and that is what I mean by the that when you say flashback, in a way, yeah, I'm still um, uh, unlearning or unschooling myself uh, from those first you know 20 years of adaptation and and that adaptation went on into my 20s probably when i worked in business yeah there's um so what sprang to mind is this idea of um when we when we act when we do uh we create value this whole idea of being productive because Mm. when we do stuff we we create value which i think sometimes people misinterpret to we are more valuable when we are doing something, we are more valuable. And then when you were talking about, you know, and I had a similar sort of experience at school where maybe you get bullied or you don't fit quite in and you feel this need to actually, you know, you tie your value, you're trying to tie your value to something. And, and sometimes the most obvious things to tie value to is the stuff that's outside, the things you create or the things that people can see. And then this idea of doing nothing for me, seems to try and tap into how can you be of value doing nothing? This kind of idea of in, you are valuable no matter what. This mm. idea of intrinsic value that's kind of breaking, trying to break through this mold of we need to do to create value, but actually we're valuable by just being. I don't know if that relates so to it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's a very easy thing to say and a very hard thing to feel. Um, and one of the things I do when I coach people um often people in business who are who are quite um you know they're, they're reasonably senior and they're doing well but they've sort of reached some kind of threshold um is you need to stop identifying your value with what you do and what you um you know how good you are at the job you need to start 
um, identifying your value as being you, who you are, and that makes you very powerful. And and so the people who actually manage to do this, and it's often people who get very high um, in organizations and perhaps even in, in any domain, is they start to realize that they are the sort of source of power. And by being that, so I am the value here. So, And I obsess over, oh, I've got to write another book, I've got to create a platform is it actually wait a second what if i am the whole what if i am the content what if i am the content there's no other that changes everything it flips everything over because not only are you good enough in a sort of philosophical sense that's because you love yourself and because you realize you're lovable by virtue of being alive but but that because you are able to do that then you become a value to everyone else like enormous value like the leverage of that value is enormous and it's so much more than anything you might create. But then you are able to create things in a, but in a different way. So, yeah. Do you think a lot of this comes down to, I always think going back to school, it's, it's the, the things you can measure become what you might get known for or try to uh, strive for. And so doing well at exams or, mm. you know, it's kind of external measures of success can be easier to, to measure mm. yourself against whereas something like tapping into your own creative self i'm guessing isn't something you can go look i've done that apart from maybe your first book or something that you've actually produced as an output well there are lots of outputs there are lots of measures i mean what came to me when you said that was that one of what would, what would be one of my earliest measures that's still there very powerfully is my dad looking pleased you know so or getting my dad's attention you know competing with my brothers you know for for airspace and um saying something clever or funny and then you know and to this day just the look on my dad's face of you know delight or or happiness that you know in something i've done that's for me a measure that sounds like a really nice measure but actually it's not because it's still an external measure and what you when you said the thing lawrence about um measuring your your own value or your own creativity um yes you can create things then you feel good about things you've created but as often as not for me i move on and well that wasn't great i thought i want to do better than that next time but but i can if you want i can give you an example of how i do measure it now from something that happened this morning and um totally yeah yeah so and this is I can, this is the example of uh, doing nothing, right? So this morning, as I said, I woke up early because my son gets into bed with me around six o'clock in the morning. Um, my four-year-old and his mum is with the baby next door. And then uh, normally we hang out for a bit and I try to tell him I'm going to sleep till seven and he kicks me. And at this time, his mum came in because she was already awake and said, do you want to come to my room at 6.30? Suddenly, I had nothing to do at 6.30. And part of me panicking, like, what am I going to do? I've got to get up now. I'm, Jesus. <laughs> so already, so these little kind of brain worms, these shoulds, kind of, so you, wait, you should, the routine's off. What am I going to do? You know, should be doing something productive. You should get up. You should have a shower. And that's okay. Wait, I'm just going to lie here. I, I don't feel like going back to sleep. Um, but I know because I've done it enough times um, that there is a discipline and I, I used to call this uh, meditating. There's a discipline to just lying in bed, not doing anything. Um, and I call it a discipline because there's still a part of me that thinks if I'm not sleeping or dozing, um, 
then I should probably get up or I should read a book or check my phone or do something. But just to lie there and daydream and not even to daydream, but just to feel my body and to realize that was already a bit tense. So I just lay there and I thought, I don't know what I need. That's the first thing that came to me is I don't know what I need right now. That, that's just a truth. I'm just acknowledging the truth. Yeah. I don't know what I need right now. Don't know if I need to get up. I don't know if I need a shower. Just, I don't. Okay. Relax. Relax. You don't know what to, you don't know what you need. That's fine. <sighs> Deep breath. I can just lie here. Just lie here. As, and I can feel myself relaxing. And oh my God, I, you know, it's 6 30 in the morning. I'm already a bit tense. So it's subtle, right? It's just, so the the non-relaxing is subtle. How does it give yourself space, do nothing? You start to realize, oh, oh, I'm not relaxed. Like background noise that you hadn't tuned into. And uh, suddenly you hear, you know, someone switches the fan on and you re realize it's been on the whole time. Oh, wow. Wasn't... And I could feel myself relaxing. I was tuning into my, my tummy and my, I could feel my muscles actually softening into the bed. And then I started to have ideas. Like ideas just started coming. For, like I was thinking about something, I had to write an email back to someone, and which I, I kept putting off for weeks. And I just had a really funny, fun idea for what I'd say in reply to them. And that gave me an idea for a, a, a short story. And then I had ideas for what I was going to say in this conversation. Uh, and the only problem then is you've got too many ideas. <laughs> so, and then I had the real dilemma. Am I going to get out of bed? And write them out down, or am I going to lie here and kind of remember them? So, so I had to then do this thing where, like, okay, I'm actually going to let go of those ideas too. I'm going to let go of the anxiety that I might forget those ideas, which is like a whole, um, you know, it's a whole level up, <laughs> like a level two meditation. So that's just a really simple exa example of how, and that was only 20 minutes or 15 minutes. Doing that, burning through what I call the sort of idea layer that's or the shoulds layer in order to get to real ideas so relaxing the body resting burning through there's a layer that we all have which is a kind of action orientation burning through it and then something else comes <laughs> there's that approval <laughs> <laughs> bit of external validation from your kids in the background <laughs> I'd like to pick on there, which I think uh, Yvonne mentioned in the chat, which I think is a good word that comes up when I think of what you just described, is guilt. Guilt about doing exactly what you just did. Um, so partly I wonder, by giving it a name and writing a book about this stuff, does that give you permission to be the person who does nothing? <laughs> um, but also, how do you navigate that? Because I think for a lot of us, we've been brought up, like Carla said, to... Well, we've been taught that doing stuff means you're productive and that's a good thing and doing nothing means you're lazy and you're sitting around and you're idle so how do you get over that guilt and do you have any tips for anyone to navigate that themselves yeah i don't think i suffer from guilt about that in the same way um but i do suffer from um hating not feeling productive and i think discipline is important in this meaning um some boundaries need to be put around it. Um, and the way I've done it is to reframe myself as a creative. So funnily enough, what you hate is this idea of being a creative. 
Maybe because you are a creative, right? So you're a designer, weren't you, originally? As well as a well, kind of an imposter designer. I was never taught. I, I, maybe that's part of it. I, I'm not a true creative because I studied economics at uni. Yeah. So someone's just said the shift is from productive to presence. And I think that's mm -hmm. exactly right, Laura. Yeah. It, it's it's about it's for me it's about shifting from productive to creative. And creative comes from being present, it comes from being in the moment. And that so, so that's how I make that's why I don't feel guilty about it. I struggle with feeling all the time like uh, I should be doing something, I get overwhelmed. And I always have to remind myself that I am essentially an artist. Um, although I'm not an artist, you know, I'm not a visual artist, but I'm, I, 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 I do my best work when I remind myself that um, it's essentially an artistic, you know, life is an artistic pursuit um and in order to be creative i think productivity comes after creativity and before creativity becomes presence and presence and rest and stillness are all very intertwined um, yeah what i heard from there or the way I, I look at that guilt aspect is this idea of um you know doing nothing isn't the right thing to do and so i need to be doing something else but when you were talking about that act of meditating and, and then suddenly there's a flood of ideas and then there was this need to, oh, should I, or this should of, all right, I need to write these ideas down or I need to do something with them. Um, that practice of letting go seems to be at, uh, the way I understand the core of this is how do we let go of the noise that comes up so that then, in a sense, trusting that, yes, sir, there's that book i got to write. Yes, that person I need to email. Yes, I need to do this and that. But trusting you will get that done. But you don't have to do it all right there in the moment. Write it down. Make sure it happens because that's starting to squash anything else that might be coming through. Yes, and it's, it's more than that. It's that those things that you know that you want to do because they, you know, you had an idea once for them or, you know, you had an inspiration you know, you are full of inspiration, right? You're full of ideas and inspirations. And um, and there's a queue of inspirations that you want to follow up on and, and so on. But but you're not going to execute well on them unless you get things in the right order. And for me, that becomes really painfully clear when I need, when I've decided, made a commitment, for example, to, to write something every week or to send out a newsletter every week or to have, a, you know, I have a Monday group, The Art of Having No Idea. And every week I have to send an email out about it. And I know that if I make myself do it, if I execute when I'm not, when I'm not inspired, it's just no good. I mean, I, it can be okay, but it doesn't really reap anything. But if I get things in the right order, there's an order to things, right? There's an order to doing. It's really practical, actually. In order to do well, first I have to, to, to go to the place of presence, um, of nothingness and from that then comes some inspiration or energy or motivation and then from that comes the execution and the content and that can happen very quickly so for some people it might be that that's just a natural uh, and um, and for others or for different ideas or situations it can take longer and the same comes if you have a dilemma or a problem it's like a knotty problem I mean, you need to sit down into the knot or beneath the knot and then it will unravel. 
Does that make sense? I think there's two aspects there that sprang to mind. There's um, there's the idea of a practice. So this is this idea of being able to to sense into what needs to be done right now rather than uh, overwhelmed with everything that you think you should be doing. Yeah. And that that it feels like if you haven't done that practice or tried to do that more often, it's going to be hard every single time you try and just stop because then you'll just, it sounds like the noise, the, the cacophony of all the shoulds, just what do you call it? A stampeding herd of shoulds. Yeah. Just, runs all over you and so there's this this sounds like a there's a skill to avoid that um and i think there's a for me there's this interesting question there about because you need you kind of need to practice that ability to sit and do nothing and people will find that difficult there's there's a kind of a hump there of actually i should do nothing but i can't yeah i think it's all about the shoulds but to make it really simple, and I just saw some of your questions, I just noticed this quite ask a question box. I got temporarily distracted by it. I think um, what I do, and this is, again, very practical, I hope, which is if you are in action, if you're working um, or doing anything, essentially, but if you're working and you feel um, you become, you notice you, you don't, you're not enjoying it. This is so simple, right? You're not enjoying it. Um, <clears throat> and there's tension. So, oh, you know, so, so become aware. So just, it's just, you know, it's sensitivity to how you're feeling. So I'm not enjoying this. I'll just stop a moment. So what's going on? And then you just have, there's a moment of doing nothing, but you're not really doing nothing. You're just feeling, you're sinking in, you're just tuning in. So, oh God, I don't feel good right now. Or I don't feel like doing this. What do I need? That's a good question to ask. What do I need? I need to close my computer. I need to go for a walk. I need a cup of tea. I need some water. I need to hydrate. I need a rest. Um, or I need to carry on writing, whatever it is. Or the, it, it's, the, it's the ability to pause. Um, it's kind of micro-noticing of your state and, um, and then taking action accordingly that makes sense and and the shoulds are when you pause you'll notice the shoulds they'll come in and say well you you should you know you, you should keep working or you should carry on um or you shouldn't stop or you should be better at this or this shouldn't be a problem or whatever the shoulds might be um and it may be that you have a bunch of competing shoulds that are making you feel overwhelmed and that's why you're not enjoying yourself um, or it may be that you're, you know, you're trying to, you're in a conversation and there's a should to saying you need to show up in a certain way or you need to talk in a certain way or be impressive. You know, I'm not enjoying this at all. Why am I, what I'm realizing is happening is that I realize I'm, 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 I think I should be sounding impressive and it doesn't feel right. You know, so I, I'm not saying this is, you know, in a way it's the easiest thing in the world and in another way it takes time to practice. Um, it's about developing the capacity to notice when you're not, in flow and stopping i think that's the simplest way to put it mm. it sounds to me like uh like anything a skill i think you talked talk about a discipline but i'm guessing yeah. by experiencing the value of this approach you see the value yourself and then the more you do it the better you 
again. You need to make it the priority. For me, uh, things things uh, have got better. Things have got better and better recently because I'm at the beginning of this year. You know, there are lo lots of things that I was not satisfied with, and I thought this year I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna walk the talk. I'm, you know, I talk about, you know, being you know lazy guru and tuning in and stopping and stuff. But do I do it? And the answer is no. And so I'm really going to do that. And um, you know the Maslow's hierarchy, um, which is the triangle or pyramid with at the bottom you have you know, survival needs um, and um, uh, shelter, shelter and food and safety. And then you have, I think the next level is um, belonging, and the level after that is status recognition. And then the, the top level is transcendence or self-actualization, mm -hmm. fulfillment, and then maybe transcendence at the top. Well, I actually have a, um, something that I call the, um, the inverse Maslow's hier hierarchy, which is actually how it works. In, in order to survive and belong and have status, you need to start with transcendence. You need to begin with um, connection to yourself and source from that place you are then able to take the actions that um, secure you all the things in the hierarchy and i'm reminded of the anecdote i heard once that fighter pilots are taught when um i i think when i first heard this it was the myth is it's israeli fighter pilots i don't know why that's special but israeli fighter pilots are taught that when they see an incoming because they're really hardcore right when when they see an incoming uh, projectile, a missile of some kind, they are trained to count three before taking any action, right? I mean, obviously, if it's, you know, closer than three seconds, maybe not, but uh, count to three, right? Because you create a pause, you build a pause in there, you're tuning in, you're connecting, and then you know what to do. But if you react, you're not going to get it right. And this is the same thing. It's really simple. You've got to get actions in the right order. You've got to start with doing nothing and then you do something don't start with doing something start with doing nothing mm. unless you're so automated you know you're playing tennis but even then you're in the moment you're totally in the moment you're watching the ball you know you're in the moment you are essentially not thinking you're doing nothing yeah yeah it reminds me of um someone telling me the difference between responding and reacting and if you have or, or my guess is that most people have the immediate reaction to do. And when you create a space to then respond, so rather than acting straight away is like sensing into what's happening and then using that space to work out how to respond. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Just, like a domestic, just like when someone pisses you off a domestic argument, you have a fight, you're having a fight with your wife or your husband or your, boyfriend or your son and they say something and you like right away you want to react and you're just like you know put a space in there and then suddenly so many more things become possible right they're like oh okay i don't have to react it's like oh kind of feel a bit more in control already <laughs> and so that, that that's, that's that's hard it's hard yeah someone said mindfulness meditation you know absolutely so the disciplines and boundaries around this are the training of it is first of all, you know, know it. So make it make it a priority. Rem remind yourself, like right? it's a priority. It's the it's putting the oxygen mask on before putting it on other people. 
you've got to be in you've got to be in a good state if you were Djokovic or Federer you know your coach would be saying it's doing this mindset stuff with you you know you've got to be in a good state that's it's the absolute primary thing so give yourself that space so knowing it and then the discipline is <clears throat> putting into action is remembering it's always so remembering it's always there with you it's not something you just do at the beginning of the day it's something you, you you're always doing i'm doing it in this conversation if i feel like i'm getting carried away i'm like not i'm not breathing properly I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa stop talking for a bit you know <laughs> so stop again go back to zero you know yeah. and um and then the other the, the third level of discipline is doing some kind of daily meditation or mindfulness that trains the the muscle of tuning in I was listening to a podcast the other day uh, with James Clear, the author yeah. of Habits. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about the difference between good habits and bad habits. Uh, and the simple definition he said is bad habits give you a short-term gain for a long-term pain, while good habits generally is a short-term pain for a long-term gain. And I, I see this, you know, I find meditation and mindfulness quite difficult. <laughs> thoughts always jump into my head and it is quite a it's a practice that i haven't done regularly enough because it i find it challenging but i from what i'm hearing what you're saying is like it is a it's a short-term habit that or a habit that once you cultivate brings long-term benefits even though it might be challenging to do yeah i'd say so and the moment you, you talk about a bad habit um that creates a short-term gain i think of coffee for me personally because i you know i've got a love-hate relationship with coffee but um i haven't drunk it for a few weeks but um i still i'd still like drinking it and i talk about it all the time but i i like drinking it because i get a short-term gain and it's very pleasurable in the long term because i can't metabolize caffeine that e easily whereas other, some people can um it, it causes me harm uh if i have it too much so that you know but it gives me productivity. It makes me feel productive, energized, and creative. Whereas if I um, stop or meditate, then then a different kind of creativity comes. It's less kind of, you know, hyper and, hey, I'm on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Makes me think of the book, um, Daily Rituals. Have you read that? Yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite books. Yeah. And it seems like most, most of the, so it's a kind of, various stories of how creatives over time have i suppose found their flow really and and it seems most of them have involved some kind of uh, uh external uh products let's call it but mostly alcohol or drugs <laughs> no it's pretty amazing actually i mean that's true i i, I was quite uh, i was quite um struck by how many uh creative you know geniuses and inventors were addicts of amphetamines or coffee or alcohol or cigarettes i'm bloody hell which is, in a way, it's good because uh, creatives and artists are only a role model to a certain extent. I think you can go beyond that. I think they are role models for me in terms of their ability to access, you know, the unconscious and to, you know, the imagination and to think differently. But I think that many of them were unhappy and abused their bodies. And I, and I don't, from what I'm, when I'm understanding in the experiment of my life, it's not necessary in order to have those moments of creativity. Mm -hmm. um, when I really relax, 
and I really relax, like on holiday, or I really relax the shoulds, and if they f fall away, then, you know, suddenly I'll write a poem, just come out of nowhere. Or I'll have an idea with a friend, and we're just coming up with a fun idea for a book or something. That doesn't, you know, you don't need um, six spoons of sugar in a, you know, in an Irish coffee for that. <laughs> I'm curious how those stories of the most, you know, the, the famous stories dominate our, our awareness of how, success or creativity happens but for every one of those dysfunctional creatives i'm sure there must be thousands of people who are making impact and doing things that are creative but have you know do have some kind of more positive daily rituals or take things at a different in a different way it's just they're not the famous stories that people look to i think that's well that's the other thing is that the creativity is um is a day-to-day -day thing, isn't it? What am I going to do with my son for the morning that I've got him, you know, in lockdown? This creativity. Um, what am I going to do? You know, what are we going to do as a family next year? What are we going to do with our business? Those are, it's all creative. Creativity is the capacity to, to act, you know, in a good way. Um, and, uh, but, but it's nice to have those role models, uh, the artists and, um, creatives because they bring so much magic and you know pleasure to our life as well mm. nice. before we go into questions i just it was just a thought i've been reading rereading the book deep work um, you might have come across uh, cal newport um but he talks about the idea of shallow work versus deep work and all right sounds good how, how to again like align to your thinking really like how to not just be on this kind of state of always on and how do you carve out time and space to do mm -hmm. deep work which might be a creative pursuit like writing a book or creating a product or course or launching a business whatever it might be mm -hmm. um, one story he shared which was interesting was how um uh harry potter what's she called harry potter's author brian's gone blank jk rowling, JK rowling. um how she was struggling to finish the last harry potter book and despite her years of creative discipline she found it really hard to finish that book and so she ended up hiring out the penthouse suite at glen eagles hotel for a thousand pounds a day to finish that book uh, to give herself that space away from distraction uh, and actually the motivation to do it within a certain amount of time given uh, mm. the cost of the hotel mm. so i just find this stuff interesting in terms of what how do we motivate ourselves to do to do good work but also to do nothing too I have a really nice trampoline if ever anyone wants to hire it out for a day to get really creative. It's only a thousand pounds. Creative. Look, you could end up in A and E. You don't want to do that at the moment. Can I, can I just suggest we do a quick, um, a little bit of an experiment, just quickly, and just do a bit of nothing. Okay. Sure. Yeah, really brief. And um, I think one way it's nice to have a focus for it. So I think my um, so my son is shouting in the background. Just, just, just do nothing, and and you can ask yourself, what do you? You can ask yourself, just have a go, doing doing nothing. Uh, what do I need? But don't think about it. Just ask yourself, what do I need, and just pause. It's probably enough. I have a group that I um I've started on Mondays, Monday lunch times, and um, we do a bit of that together. Um, and it's different from mindfulness because mindfulness is still a, um, an action or a task. Now, this is the absence of an action. Um, 
Uh, I found that's really fun thing to do, uh, to combine it with conversation and dialogue and, and creativity. Um, but just the easiest thing in the world, just do, do it, do it any time you want, just do nothing and see what comes up for you. It's slightly, slightly countercultural. I think I found, so I joined one of those calls of yours on Mondays and yeah. that part, the very first one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's way better since. Um, it was good then, but I'm sure it's way better. Um, the thing I found the most useful was that was that element was, I think, five minutes where you just said, just go find a spot in your house or mm. outdoors, you know, and come back in five minutes. But that collective feeling, I think we do this a bit at um, our retreats, but the, the collective feeling of doing nothing and also someone giving you permission to do nothing felt quite empowering. So maybe it goes back to the guilt thing, but someone just saying, look, go off for five minutes and don't do anything. It feels quite, yeah, quite right. rare actually for for someone to you know it's not something you were taught at school. Is it go and do nothing? <laughs> so yeah, right. can you do, can you just tell us to do nothing more often? We'll just we need <laughs> we need we need an accountability I have, partner. I have this fantasy. I have this fantasy. It's like a recurring recurring dream that one day I'll just be standing in front of a huge audience of people just doing nothing. I mean, literally just doing nothing. I won't. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I just stand there and do nothing, and then we'll just do nothing. I mean. That's your you, TED talk, dude. The Tony Robbins of doing nothing. 10,000 people in a, an arena. You're just doing nothing. Just doing nothing. Doing nothing. I mean, it's a good business what? model. I tell you, it's not bad. Well, it's an amazing business model. If you want, if you want we can do a follow-up um, crowdcast where we, we collectively do nothing for an hour. In fact, it's a bit tricky because what I've learned through, I mean, I'm, I've been experimenting with this with groups, is that just doing nothing the whole time can feel like a bit, Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but there's a kind of moment when it kind of this is the moment to do nothing together and it's great because you're all together in it and um and then something special usually happens for people individually um mm. anyway we should have quite a few questions, questions. yeah so let's try and cool. should we start from the top what helps you practice feeling the value is me i'm enough instead of my output is the value <coughs> well i am um, I just remind myself that the people who I've come across who are most impressive and most powerful um, and very successful tend to have that, that kind of um, that vibe. They seem to carry with them a sense of their own inner value and authority. And I, I kind of aspire to that. I would like to be like that. So it's really just reminding myself. Um, but then the stopping and the meditating is super good for it because um, you just um, – you just you just realize that you are you know you're everything really um in your in your world you're you are ev everything comes from you uh, nothing is possible in your world without you um so it's yeah resource yourself yeah. Mm -hmm. reminds me of um i don't know if you ever saw that snoop doggy dog speech that acceptance speech when he won an award and he said i'd like to thank me for <laughs> all the hard work over the years and me for <laughs> Which is quite refreshing, actually. Yeah, I mean, you can also do that. I mean, you can do gratitude practice. You can list things where you feel like you've really done. I only did it the other yesterday. It was at a purpose workshop in writing down times when you felt like you were really at your best. I mean, that's a wonderful thing to do always. Just remind yourself, oh, it's because I was really just fully in control and relaxed and happy. And in those moments, you were valuing yourself or not worried. The transition from being managed to doing nothing can be very cathartic. Any ideas on what aspects need to be wary about while we attempt to do this? 
Oh, are we jumping to the next one? I was just looking at the next one. So. <laughs> I was just wondering, there's a couple of things that sprang up for me about um, the value, your own value and, and what you do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the question that maybe is worth asking is, uh, why do you think you're not of value? What is it that's telling you that you're not of value? Um, and then the other thing is focusing on the other people, you know, also not just focusing on stuff like what help do people need? And that's, that's where the value is. It isn't about you and how good you are or, you know, how you look. It's about what change you're making and how that can shift. Well, unblock you from doing something because you're scared that you're not good enough. Yeah, I really resonate with the first one, especially about um, why you're not thinking about why you're not of value. And that, you know, that's that's opening a whole can of worms in a way. So, you know, what are the ideas or beliefs? Why, why am I not of value? But those things come up when you start to give yourself that space. I think. Cool. Okay. Uh, what's this next one? The transition from being managed to doing nothing can be very cathartic. Any ideas on what aspects need to be wary about while we attempt to do this? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the thing you said, um, Carlos, or it might have been Lawrence, but it's about it becoming another should. I mean, that's a, that is a problem. You don't want it to become a task. Anytime it's a task, it's, it's not, you know, it's not giving you what you need. Um, but I don't think there's much else to be wary about. Um, obviously don't lie down in front of cars. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we all have responsibilities. Uh, you know, we have to do certain things. Um, I found doing nothing. It takes time to actually really do nothing. And like, even when you were asking the question before about what do I need, the I, all I just had in my head was, oh, I need to think about what I need. And it took a while for that to just go away. I should I shouldn't have asked the question. Yeah, <laughs> I screwed up. Yeah, yeah. It needs to be a good need, not a, not a rubbish need. <laughs> exactly. So, need? With that, it, it takes time. I think you have to really settle into it. Uh, exactly. Or, uh, yeah, you have to settle into, into it. it. It's true. You have to settle into it. Yeah. And and the more the need, the more the time. So if it's a small thing, like I need to think of what to write in this email, then it can be small. But if it's like I need to tune into what I'm doing all day or all week, or I'm really upset, then it takes longer. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's what I certainly found with sorry with um, the the sort of deeper I go into space, whether it's going for a walk, you know, I'm not a great mindfulness person either. But the more I kind of follow that thought, the more the important stuff rises to the top. That if you found that too with like ideas, like you said, the instinct is to write everything down. But then maybe by the end of that session or space, you've kind of worked out actually things have reordered. Maybe in terms of what's most important. Yeah. It's a great idea. I was going to say, in terms of a feeling, even when you were, we were doing that little exercise, I definitely felt it as a, a kind of a, a tingly or even a little tension in my chest. And that's why I wasn't able to settle into it. And until it sort of like sank, until I could follow that feeling lower down, I didn't feel like I was asking myself properly what I needed. Yeah, yeah. That's like the layer I think I was talking about burning through that. It's like that you get into, you you, know, you start doing it and you, there's some layer of tension and then mm -hmm. you can just bounce right up from it and not go deeper, can't you? You can just sort of, yeah, that, that can deflect you mm -hmm. or you can just stay, stay in it and then something sinks down. I guess it's mindfulness, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been in a flotation tank, but that's the feeling I get is... <laughs> 
um, you go from very noticing your body and very sort of heady and thought driven to actually after over time you just start to not feel your body at all and i've never done it actually no yeah i think you'd, you'd like it yeah cool here's a, a meaty one uh, i wonder how can we get away from a huge list of must do things you may have no interest to do and just poison your day so and awana has shared a list of things that she has to do but she hates them you should just uh, Google. Uh, there's a great on YouTube. There's a there's a there's a there's a uh, there's a comedy uh, sketch called Stop It. Just Google Stop It. <laughs> That's your answer. Yeah, just stop it. Just okay. Okay, VA. <laughs> well no that's that, absolutely right i think discriminating things you have to absolutely you know, I, I have to spend half an hour clearing the kitchen every night before i go to bed because otherwise the current situation we live in a kind of hellhole. um but um do i have to do all my emails um no do i have to read everything no do i have to do all my invoices actually could i get a va to help me with, with my invoicing and it's actually very cheap just to do that bit yeah um yeah. Some some discrimination, yeah. I've heard somebody described it. I think is it reverse pilot where you stop doing things and see what happens when you do don't do them to see if anyone actually notices. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> and sometimes you give people that gives people permission to actually do it themselves rather than you having to always fix the things. And sometimes I think on that note, if I was going to die tomorrow, or if I if I were going to die in a week. If I was, you know, really ill, <clears throat> you know, what would be important to me? What would still happen anyway? What would still happen? What would I still do if I wasn't, you know, if I, you know, nothing was going to, I wasn't going to be building anything. It's all, it was all going to go away. What would I still do anyway? Just let go of the rest. Like what Lawrence said there around also, if you didn't do it, what does that mean? What feeling does that give you? Oh, I didn't fix that thing. But other than that thing not being fixed, does that make you feel a certain way? And why? Hmm. Yeah. Can you be a creative and have a super clean house? That's always the question in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder that. Like, if you've got in like a, a just a pristine house, you're a bit of a um, clean queen, as my mom would call it. I don't meet many people like that who do creative things. I don't know if that's just my own bias, but that's another whole topic. <laughs> um, I, I just want to say on that note, um, um, someone told me, uh, in fact, Narina read out, um, Picasso apparently lived in an absolute mess. Yeah. Absolute mess. And uh, he, he never threw away any of his letters or papers. They were just everywhere, everywhere piling up. Uh, just hung them all around the wall and you know in shelves and yeah so you got permission now to be the life of a hoarder yeah <laughs> do your own thing do whatever's natural sure. should we get a couple more questions before we yeah. oh. let's do that um, what do we next? mind if i answer tim's tim bowles's one because I yeah. just, it means a lot to me so when does not doing nothing become doing something well, the moment it becomes doing something, it, you know, it's not doing nothing. So stop doing it. <laughs> it's like it, 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 meditation. That's the problem with meditation. That's why I say doing nothing rather than meditating, because meditating is a task, you know, and there are apps for it. And we feel guilty about not doing it. Well, don't feel guilty about not meditating. Just 
don't do anything and um and if you don't have time to not do anything then then don't worry about it but you know if if you're if you're um it's the absence of doing things just don't yeah have no tasks for a bit and see what it's like can you can you do nothing and still move <laughs> yeah yeah of course nothing. yeah That's yeah Someone said they highly recommend neuro movement. I'm actually going to look it up afterwards. One uh, aspect of the whole doing nothing by doing something by doing nothing, uh, it reminds me of the 15 commitments of a conscious leader book. Oh, yeah. um, and they talk about, I think there's three ways that you interact with the world where the world happens to you or you kind of like happen to the world or you act in the world. And then the final one was actually you just channel stuff. And it's that kind of really passive things just happen because you're just channeling it. That's, that's literally my goal. <laughs> so what, tell me what this this thing is. This commitments of a conscious leader. Wow, leadership, I think it's called. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it's and yeah, they got these different aspects of what uh, of of leadership, but fundamentally, it was this thing that really got me. It was like, well, which I think resonates for me about doing nothing is that you're not striving you're not trying to make something happen it just happens because yeah. it lives through you yeah someone right the world lives through you exactly i mean that's mm -hmm. it and I, I get glimpses of it and i love it and i want this is what my life wants to be it wants to be a world that's coming through me and i'm allowing it to come into being and it's just so fantastic and I, yeah that's when you get really cosmic well <laughs> it makes me think of uh like Paul McCartney writing yesterday in his sleep or you know music coming through artists and musicians yeah that's it that's the dream mm. that's the dream thank you um, for me that's where I think you know my belief is what we're trying to do with the business stuff how can we have the work come through entrepreneurs rather than entrepreneurs feeling like they need to climb a certain ladder or they need to do th or they, they need to change the world how can they just channel what they need they do and that creates the impact it needs to create rather than overthinking it that's what i feel where we're trying to get to um i've got to go unfortunately because yeah. i promised i'd take the kids at one so um how, how should we wrap it up is there a way of wrapping it up um what, we, what's your normal checkout yeah checkout yeah checkout is so how are you feeling um what will you take away and um <laughs> when shall we meet again <laughs> <laughs> very timely yeah love so, it how are you feeling i'm feeling oh, i really liked where we got to i really liked that special bit at the end about channeling it's really nice um enjoyed it a lot i've still spent a lot of time looking at my face um and uh take away i think i'll take away that channeling thing actually and um possibly um some other things that I've forgotten about you. I'm trying to remember the questions. Um, well, how are you feeling? What were you feeling? Feeling? And when will we meet again? Uh, I'm feeling good. Um, feeling lighter for some reason. I think maybe this conversation and getting to hang out together again and catching up. Um, what would the takeaway? I think it's just a reminder for me just to try and be in that flow state more often. And for me, a lot of that's losing distraction, trying to carve out that deep work space and intentional nothingness. Oh, and, and um, 
um, when we'll meet again, uh, just in, in case any of you are interested, I do Monday lunchtime uh, creative mindfulness groups, creative resourcing groups, and I, I'll post it on Facebook. So do join. And the book that I wrote is called The Lazy Guru's Guide to Life, uh, 2016. Cool. Great to be here. Thank you. Available in lots of good bookshops. And yeah. Um, I am feeling... I'm feeling energized. Uh, I'm feeling um, inspired. Um, I'm taking away the idea of just doing more of the practice. Um, I feel like it takes me at least five minutes to get a space of nearly doing nothing. So I think I just need to make sure that I do nothing for longer. Um, and when shall we meet again? Well, I hope we meet again uh, soon, Lawrence. We've got to get you back on to have more conversations around this. I think it's valuable uh, to just uh, like you said this is a practice um so it'd be nice to to get you back on uh next week we are going to be talking about bounce back ability <laughs> with elizabeth lovius <laughs> take that as you wish but it's uh, i will be focusing on how do we bounce back from all of what's going on what is it that we can do that feels resourceful rather than panicked and it probably touches on what what we've been talking on today um so I'll, I'll be i'll definitely be seeing one lawrence next week uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, and i hope we're going to see everyone else who well i'm hoping to see your spiritual about. experience on crowdcast soon i think you need oh to yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that's something that. we look forward to let's um, do that together I, then, I, yeah, I, yeah. please share the link to your uh your monday uh, regular monday session uh yeah i don't have it unfortunately <laughs> so, uh, well yeah, we can share it this morning once you yeah. get one and we'll share it on your community yeah thank you Brilliant. and um uh, i also just want to say just for you guys a shout out for you guys i love how you're you're so on it you're really evolving you know every year you're like the evolution is so like tangible it's wonderful and it feels like really like mirroring everyone every one of us is kind of in the same journey together it's really nice to see it it's so great so thank you thank, thank you, you. That's awesome. And thank you, everyone. Um, thanks for joining us. And thank you for your questions. Apologies if we didn't manage to answer all of them. And hopefully see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?